Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. Jillian, welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Why don't we get started out by having you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how you got involved in AI? Yeah, so um, I have been working, um, I'm an engineer at heart, really. Um, and I've been working very much in the public cloud space the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently, I've started to look at what, um, how we can use conversational AI, um, specifically around chatbots and voice within the employee space. Um, so I have Workrite Software is um, a wholly owned company of Liberty Mutual Insurance. Um, and what we've done there is a lot of the great products that we've built internally for employees that have used, you know, different aspects of conversational AI. We've decided that, you know, it solved a lot of problems for us within the enterprise, within a large global company, that, you know, there is potential there to, you know, create a product that can be used across companies worldwide. So last year we created that company, a separate entity, and that's now my focus. Um, You know, it's cloud engineering and AI. And it's really how you can apply artificial intelligence within employee-focused products. Can you give some examples of the types of employee-focused products that you're working on there? Yes. So our initial product um, is called the WorkRate Assistant. Um, And the aim of that is really like building an intelligent workplace assistant. You know, not everybody is fortunate enough to have a PA, you know, a person who is able to, you know, take notes for them or create their to-do lists. Um, So we're looking for a way to create, you know, a product that can really help um, employees, you know, with productivity gains um, and engagement and job satisfaction. And some of the key areas that the product would have, you know, focuses on is, um, you know, approvals and workflows and really the automation and the aggregation of a lot of um, internal systems in that one place with a really, you know, modern and intelligent intuitive interface of which includes, um, you know, a chatbot. Um, so conversational interfaces is part of this as well, which is really where our initial focus of AI is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, so some of the use cases that we talk about. Um, so, as I say, this is stem from, you know, work we've done within Liberty Mutual is that we really focused on some of our, say, central um, employee functions like HR, IT help desk, just general productivity um, and how we can, you know, automate um, and provide also like a conversational interface to many systems so that, you know, employees can find the information they need when they need it. Um, you know, and the questions that are asked across offices day in, day out can be very simply you know, automated um, and give them, you know, again, that engaging experience. And is WorkGrid primarily building software for the use of Liberty Mutual or are you, um, is it more like a spin out where you're commercializing this uh, for the broader marketplace? It's um, the commercialization, really, of a product that we built internally for ourselves. Okay. Um, it's actually dating back several years ago. You know, we went through a transformation, I think, around 2014. Um, and we looked at the marketplace, and we didn't see anything there that really would, um, you know, 
benefit us in the way that we want is we want to bring all our underlying enterprise systems and tools that you know we use day in day out and aggregate it and give a simple place for people to go and do their daily work um you know so instead of going into many different applications where you're literally just going in six seven screens to click a few buttons it just um, brings that one place that you can actually achieve your daily work um, and we evolved that you know in um uh, last year uh, into building into it part of that is a chatbot which is you know it's a conversational AI and it's using like natural language processing and conversational analytics to really you know try and find what our employees um pain points are and also to help automate some of that uh, and what's been the adoption like of the chat Bot interface in particular. There's uh, there's an article recently. It was in uh, Inc. Magazine, and it was an article with uh, a guy who was like founder of a startup. And the headline of the article was something like "Chatbox killed my company or killed my startup." And the idea was that like he built his startup around this, you know, what he now sees as a fad, and he found that people really didn't want to use chatbots. Uh, and so I've been asking folks uh ever since seeing that about conversational interfaces like where do they think you know or where do you think we are in terms of adoption or and is this a way that people want to engage with software what have you seen so i would say um chatbots to me are you know the future when i say that what i what do i mean by a chatbot i think everybody mm-hmm. has different perceptions of what a chatbot is mm-hmm. you know is it a simple bot you order flowers on on facebook messenger or is it alexa it's literally um mm-hmm. you know the the definition is like your ability to talk to a machine through natural language so we do have you know on many levels of that if you know what i mean so like i see it's very much voice um is the future um future interface so we talk about chatbots that's what i have in my head that it does make sense in a lot of different contexts but it also you know it doesn't mean you have to have one sometimes the visual interface works better um so it's not like everybody has to rush out and build chatbot but i think everybody should consider when the conversational interface actually works better you know very much um, you know, like the one we have, you're sitting at your desk, you want to ask a simple question, um, maybe about an HR policy, or you want to get some information about how do we have like reset passwords from the IT help desk. Would you rather have a two second chat with chatbot or a 10 minute phone call? So mm-hmm. people are good for the, it's the use case that really drives the use of the chatbot. So we have, you know, it's still in, um, I would still, it's like a, an evolving technology, but it's not really the NLU or the AI piece that's evolving. It's the use case, understanding when that context or then that conversational interface makes more sense. Um, and also the actual piece of the conversational design. What does the chatbot say? Um, if you don't design it well, the conversation doesn't flow well. Um, and then chatbots do fail, you know, so there's a lot more than just the AI piece it is. Um, I think good conversation design, good understanding of your users and understanding the benefits that this will bring. Um, and then also, as I say, like, you know, the evolution of chatbots into a voice. Um, I, I definitely think 
mean, you can just, I don't know if you've seen the figures of, you know, how many Alexas were, were bought at Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, so there's like, I think there's um, stats like one in six American households have a smart speaker, you know, so you may think about that. Um, those are all chatbots okay. in the definition of, um, you know, using natural language to talk, you know, interface with computers. So... Don't know if that answers your question. Okay. Yeah, no, it does. It, I, I, I appreciate that broader definition of chatbot. And I think, you know, when, when we vision kind of the future of human computer interactions, I, I don't think that there's much of a question for most people that it's a natural language based, uh, conversation that, you know, extends beyond kind of the, you know, like the example you gave, the Facebook Messenger bot. Um, it's not so much that, you know, that, rectangular interface that defines chatbot but the this means of interacting with the computer via natural language you mentioned that the first step is understanding when to apply this type of approach to a given use case do you have any guidelines that tell you when or is it kind of i'll know it when i see it i think it's a bit of both like really some use cases just don't make sense Mm -hmm. um you know if I, if I think about things that, um, you know, that you're used to seeing, like, lists of things, like something that's very visual, if that makes sense. Um, you know, like, we, we, we talk about, like, if you, if you were to ask about all the, um, for example, like, the Amazon deals of the day, you know, you, you know the way you see everything, it's like cars, there's lots of um, visual input that you can take. Mm-hmm. If you ask that in a chatbot, what, how could you get that sort of information the same way. You know, it would just be a big list of words. Right. That it doesn't really make sense. Um, but, you know, we have found, like, with the employee space, it has been, um, like, really listening to what employees are asking for. Um, and some of the things are just, like, very simple one-off sort of actions um, or, like, requests. We do find a lot of, of the use cases within the workplace seem to be centered around a more intelligent search you know, actually being able to have more direction into um, more directed questions, really, than just, you know, typing in a search bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, essentially, we just have worked through them and decided, like, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Um, I do think there is, a, especially in some of the work that we had done, like, you do realize that the user's expectations are um, sometimes, like, very, well, they're very high. They're very high when you start talking about, um, any form of AI, and I don't know if you've come across this, it's like, it's either very high or very low. <laughs> um, <laughs> does, does that make sense? Um, so like from a chatbot perspective, um, like I think it, we have had uh, an education ourselves, you know, we have understood like, like the development team and, and, and the guys really like, how do you build like intents and utterances and fulfillments and train the model. What technologies do you use? Do you build your own? Do you use somebody else's? Um, you know, so there's a lot of that. But like when we're talking with the users, it, it's like an expectation that it's all going to magically, like it's magic. If you type something in, um, you know, like what's the weather, that the chatbot will know how to answer it. And this sort of explanation, well, guys, it's still cold. We still have to write that. If we want the chatbot to actually know the weather, we have to program it, we have to train the model, and we have to ultimately call an API that tells us what the weather is. But it's, it's that perception of, like, if I repeatedly ask it what the weather is, it'll learn. That We've heard that, like, it'll learn what I say. It says, well, it'll not learn until we update it. 
it's not a magical box that just learns things. So I think there's like the expectations, if that makes sense, being very interesting to see. Um, and then on the other side is, um, you know, people who just think that they're not very good. Chatbots aren't very good. NLU is not very good. Um, but we're sort of in a place where it's never been any better and it's only going to get better. Um, so, you know, I think what we have found also is the very importance of like what we call conversational analytics in that you're understanding what is being, and you're understanding what the bot's saying or what's being said to the bot. But, you know, you may not be able to answer, but if everybody's asking for what's the weather, then potentially that's the feature you add. Um, so, you know, just that analytics of what's being said, missed utterances, missed intents, um, how well are you fulfilling the actual user intent? How well are you performing? Um, and that's really driven some use cases too, just to refine what we have. Because um, it is a great way if you, you know, give the bots to like a, a pilot group, you know, you can actually, through what they're asking it and how they're chatting to it, um, actually see maybe what they want it to do. Um, and it does surprise you in some ways. Um, and also the realisation that, you know, Different cultures and different language have different ways of even saying hello. Um, so we find all that, like if we've rolled it out still in the pilot within Liberty Mutual, um, you know, we, we see that because it's a global company. But it, it's been very interesting. I do think chatbots, if they're designed well um, and they perform real actions, are very powerful. Do you feel that the this magic that some users expect where the chatbot is going to learn uh, how to understand what the user is asking. Do you feel that that is just kind of organic or uh, does it has it come about because we throw around terms like machine learning that people don't really understand? I would yes. <laughs> In short, yes. Um, and I think AI, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, deep learning, you know, there's a lot of words bandied about. Um, and I do think there is a, you know, if we say machine learning, that somehow that it's it's going to learn how to do these things. But like when you, you know, and I'm not an expert, you know, but I have read some stuff, you know, the differences between supervised and unsupervised machine learning and deep learning is a different form, is that once you start getting into it, it, it is much more evolved. And, you know, the data that you have, the training data, um, it can only it can only be as good as the data you have and the historical data for supervised learning. Um, so I don't think everybody really, you know, they don't need to know that, but I think um, like once you start having an interest in it, then you do start reading these things and you do get a better awareness of it. But I definitely think, yeah, the terms and just everything is got some element of AI apparently. And <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of products say that um, when you d dive into it, I think a lot of it is really automation and workflow and and they're all great things. But I think, you know, there's a bit of a buzz, as you know, um, and it's applied when potentially it, it's not it's not artificial intelligence, it's something else. It's um, you know, let's say some great there's great products out there and a lot of it, you know, I'd say it's more like process automation, um, which is very valuable too. Yeah, basically every enterprise software product is some automation, <laughs> some workflow automation uh, underneath, right? All right, so you've you've got some use case. You think it could be a good fit for some type of chatbot. 
then the the next question is how do you get there uh and you were speaking at the AWS conference so you want the cloud direction there's also um you know building your own how did you evaluate the the different options and come to the conclusion that you came to yeah so that's a good question um so i did look at a lot of different options um I think really, you know, the first thing was, and it's for in general about chatbots, I think you have to think about where are the channels of the clients that you want to put that chatbot in. You know, who's the customer? Is it a like a customer facing or is it an internal one that like more like the employee stuff that I have been working on? You know, just a, an understanding of generally what the chatbot um, is going to do, but also those channels because a lot of the like the channels have their built-in frameworks that really make it easier to build. Um, I think, you know, if you're thinking about building chatbots, you have to assess your development capabilities as well. Like, obviously, um, I'm working from a like an architect, an engineer, you know, I know how to write code. So those things are not going to put me off. But if you're just in general interested about chatbots, there are a lot of great frameworks out there that can get you up and running. Um, I obviously then, um, some of the research we did is into We'll understand what type of chatbot you're trying to build, you know, and there is a framework you can sort of assess it against an open domain chatbot versus a closed domain chatbot. Um, closed domain is um, a lot easier in that it's like a very set purpose. As I mentioned, order flowers or um, order a pizza, order a taxi. Those types of chatbots are a lot simpler because mm-hmm. they're only expected to do one thing. And if you started to ask a pizza bot about the politics, you're not really expecting it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? There's expectations. Um, But what we were working in was more open domain in that there's a wide range of questions an employee in a large company can ask, even within HR or IT help desk um, use cases. So, you know, we looked, we needed to find something then that would help us build um, a more open domain chatbot um, and then also you know we're not really getting into the differences so the difference between like retrieval and generative you know most chatbots in production today are retrieval based um, like a generative one is you know we really are getting into you know um, absolute true artificial intelligence in that you know something like well, it didn't go very well Microsoft hey but they built you know the chatbot itself is generating a response versus retrieval based um, and retrieval based is obviously in a professional workplace um, you know it's it's the thing that we initially you know you need to deliver that you can't really start looking at how can I build chatbot that's gonna you know come up with <laughs> the answers itself you know that's out the realms of the the AI capabilities of where we are today from a company perspective I would say um, but then I looked at um, so you know we wanted a um, a natural language chatbot rather than like a command sort of you know do this do that um, so we want the natural language looked at um, the main cloud providers I suppose we said Google Microsoft Amazon um, so you know I am an AWS cloud architect so I am slightly biased <laughs> towards one but um, we did I did look at um, Microsoft's cognitive services are really great Google's, um, you know, there's some great stuff there, but Amazon and AWS was what was chosen because it's more than, it takes more than NLU to build a chatbot for thousands of people. It takes um, many different services and capabilities and, 
you know, AWS was our provider of choice at that time. So it really made sense just to, you know, work with them and pick a technology that sort of fitted that AWS ecosystem. And luckily enough, um, uh, it's not last year, but the year before, they announced Amazon Lex um, as a new service uh, in preview. And immediately, that was the one that then we wanted to work with. Um, and we partnered really with them to develop. You know, they were in preview to develop the capabilities that we needed. Um, and as I say, it worked really well because it's more than AWS Lex that builds it. It's, it's a wide range of the services. Um, it gives it that real scalability um, and analytics and good engineering practices. What have been some of the things that you've needed to build around it to arrive at a complete solution? Yeah, so interesting enough, that was really what the um, the session at reInvent was that I did last year was, it's more than Lex. <laughs> um, so, what, so, I mean, what we had to provide was really, um, I think the analytics was very important, you know, being able to, um, analyze and store um, elements of conversation so we could gain insights. Um, we use like APIs um, and storage um, so that we actually can, you know, um, review conversations. Um, so we essentially built an architecture, a serverless architecture around Lex. Um, so Lex provided the NLU. Um, but then also, like if we wanted to, it's initially we focused on um, text chatbot, but obviously then voice, as I mentioned, you know, obviously is, a, is a, the next step. So, you know, using um, AWS Poly um, to really, you know, have both, experiment with both. And then as we move into, you know, really looking at the devices in the home, I said beside her is the Google Assistant, um, which I have started looking at too. So there's really powerful technology out there. Um, and it's just, you know, as I say, picking, picking the things that work for you. Um, and ultimately, the AWS um, ecosystem was very much in place for us. So, so the Lex was the extra piece. And once they, they brought that out, that seemed to definitely make sense. Um, and then, you know, as I say, we're talking about reInvent. Some of the things we're talking about reInvent wasn't really, um, you know, the AI aspect of it. It was how do you build a chatbot at scale? How do you test the chatbot? How do you have CI, CD pipelines for chatbots? Um, so it was really about good engineering practices applied to, um, like, new technology like this. And also very importantly, I mentioned it before, is the conversational design you know, what does it say? How does it interact with you? You know, you want to give your users a very good experience. Um, and what you have really have to do is just between the team is, you know, talk it out, script it out, uh, pretend you're the bot. Um, so it's actually quite fun. <laughs> um, it's a fun way to develop. But um, you can definitely see that it's a skill that, you know, we've had to build within a small team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely say voice and um, this interface, um, you know, it's a capability that we need to grow um, just in general, I would say, within the engineering community. How big is your team now? So WorkGrid Software now, so the original Liberty Mutual team was four or five. WorkGrid Software now, we have, um, see, about eight or nine, so slightly bigger. But as I say, the conversational AI is just one piece of that. It's a larger assistant. Um, so we're all working hard. Um, to really bring this because I really I mean we do honestly believe that you know you should 
value your employees. You should value their time um, and should really try and help them. Um, you know, when they need to have, when they have questions they need answered, you can answer them quickly, but also, you know, provide them that one place to go so they can do their, you know, to-do list, notifications, approvals, all, all those things that are day-to-day um, hassle sometimes, but mm-hmm. you still have to do them. Um, you mentioned analytics on a number of occasions. Can you talk a little bit about the analytics that you use and um, what frameworks or tooling you've built to um, support the way you want to analyze the conversations? Yeah. So, um, so I was at the moment I would classify them as um, quite well standard analytics with a plan for more improved insights. So the analytics we have at the moment. Um, so we're using um, things like. Amazon's Elasticsearch and Athena um, to give us, you know, real time. So it's in real time that we can actually see. So the, the key things around chatbot is the um, the conversation flow, um, the missed utterances and missed intents. Where that terminology is, if you're not aware, um, like if you say something like book me a meeting with Gillian McCann and it goes, sorry, I didn't understand, and it repeatedly says that is like. We, do, we haven't modeled that conversation within the chatbot. So we're going to see, you know, what people are asking that doesn't match or what we actually find more important was miss, we called the mismatch intense. It did match something, but it matched the wrong thing. So you're trying to book a meeting and it's giving you the cafe menu. So <laughs> <laughs> just so, that, so it's, it's the, to me, that's the performance of Lex or performance of the interview itself. How well have we created um, the model? How, what sample utterances have we provided? Is it something we can train? Are people saying things in a different way than you actually expected? So then we, we see those, we're able to see that, and we're able to you know, bring that back into the Lex model and immediately retrain it. Um, but then we have analytics on more, I'd say, from a user, user context, sort of like um, very high-level job roles or location is there specific questions that are coming from a specific office you know that maybe will help you gain insights into well why is it a problem there not here why are they asking that um so that's the um that's where we're at at the moment as i said to me they were quite standard stuff but with the plan to be more involved um with really it gets into what i call the key thing in any conversation is context right so the context and we have different levels of context um, at the moment it would be things like the user like the office location um, job role um, how does that context impact the answer or the conversation so really you know, when I talk about a personal assistant you want it personalized to you so it understands you know you so context from a user perspective um, then context also could include the device that you're on and the capabilities that it has um and then getting into what i like to call it's like the short term and the long term memory the conversational context um where we can understand you know what you've previously said within this conversation there's nothing worse than somebody you say something to somebody and then two minutes later they completely say the same thing they ask the same question again they haven't remembered what you said so it's really you know how do we train the chatbot to not be annoying like that so that you know in that example, can I book a meeting with Gillian McCann? Yes, what time would you like? And then you say something and then jump back to, is she free? 
at 3 p.m. tomorrow, the she has to refer to me. Right. Do you know what I mean? We need to build that in. And that's, so that's the context. And then longer term is where I would like to get to is that we can start using predictive analytics. You know, we understand your patterns. We understand that you ask for the coffee menu for Friday. Um, why don't we send you that in advance? Why don't we talk to you? Um, so it's getting, that's what I mean. So it's an evolving path. And that's where, you know, we start looking at other areas of AI, you know, potentially machine learning. If we've got like a history of conversations, can you predict what the next conversation is going to be? Would that be useful even? What would that do? So I think the base of all this is getting, um, and that's what we've put in place, is the foundations of what I said, good quality analytics. And then we can evolve it and look for insights and hopefully, you know, give employees that better experience as it learns, as it gets better. You mentioned also that one of the topics you covered was about the deployment, scale, CI, CD pipelines, all that kind of stuff. Uh, can you give us an overview of the kind of things that you have done there to facilitate building out these kinds of applications on the engineering side? Yeah, um, so... Um, like for any standard um, application, you know, we have certain practices. Um, we would run unit tests, integration tests. We would run those locally. You check your code in. The build pipeline picks those up, runs more tests, um, and then pushes through the environment. So that's the general, you know, process. Um, so what we had to do was come up with like a test framework essentially for less itself. Um, you know, and unit testing conversations. So that's what we built into the pipeline was um, the ability to, um, you know, we had scripted conversations that we would run on every single build to make sure that a change, that we, you know, we may have added new utterances or new intents hadn't impacted the model and the answers for all the other um, intents. And we did find that, you know, a real... Um, a real benefit because you know we were making changes we were what made one thing work made a different thing break so mm -hmm. refining it and constantly having that um, backup of we're not breaking it and that's a standard process but it was in a new world and a new right. sort of technology so we had to think about how to apply those what I would say good practices to this new new way of creating software um, so we did that the other thing that was very important was the building of the bot itself um you know for anybody who has worked in a large enterprise company um there is certain rules <laughs> and standards and things that have to be put in place and one of them is very specific around our usage of the public cloud in that we have um, a sandbox environment for people to um, prototype poc and um, learn about how to use new services but beyond that everything has to be pushed through those accounts um, through code so we had to come up with a whole build pipeline for Amazon Lex and the bot itself um, which we created um, and we were waiting on literally um, 19th of April because I was waiting on the date when it went GA and the build SDKs were released um, I think that's I think it surprised Amazon because we've heard from them um, after the fact that you know they just thought people would do it in the console it's like, well, that, that's great for POC. It's not going to get us into production. Right. So that's what we worked um, on those aspects of it, which in the scheme of things, when you hear people talk about chatbots, 
it's not the things we talk about, but those are the practices that will get you into, you know, a, a chapel environment that will, you know, scale to thousands of employees. And then with WorkGrid software, obviously, thousands of employees across multiple countries and companies. So you're mm-hmm. in a multi-tenant chatbot environment. So it's really taken, you know, best practices, I think is what I would say, and bringing it into a chatbot world. Um, and now we're experimenting, say, with voice. Um, how do you test the speech recognition? How do you do those things? So it's all very interesting. It's all very exciting, um, to be honest. Um, and I think it's probably clear, like, the, the, the driver or the – not the driver, the enabler for all this to me is, is the public cloud. Whichever one that you're working in is, you know, they've all comparative and competitive services. Um, but really, to me, it's the, the place that enables developers just to even get started with aspects of AI. Um, you know, if you do have an interest, it definitely is a place to experiment with. Have you run into any downsides or limitations associated with running in the public cloud or depending on the public cloud services? Um, I think the, I don't know if it's down, there's no real downsides because, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, like I personally feel that from an AI perspective um, that there's few companies that would be able to compete with some of the capabilities that are being made available in public cloud. Um, just from the ease of use, um, the the rollout, like the new services that released at Reinfent, for example, there are just so many new stuff, um, you know. But I think the the downside, it's not downside, it's just an awareness of where your data is, you know. Uh, make sure that you thoroughly think through what data you're trying to store, um, you know, does it need to be anonymized? So there's just, you know, I think a, a general understanding of how the cloud works needs to be there before you just start turning things on um, sending data everywhere um, mm-hmm. but as I say like I have that so you know every every service we use um, and it is assessed through, through a security process that we would have um, I think not a downside but just have an awareness um, of all the different services that you're potentially using in your um, product. Well, Jillian, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Are there any final thoughts or things that you'd like to add? Um, I think I suppose uh, I have said it several times. I just see, you know, the voice um, as the future interface, and for people who are interested, you know, the ability now, the you know, the Alexa and the developer skills SDK and the Google Assistant. You know, if anybody has any interest, they literally could start tomorrow and create simple skills and, and have a go because it really opens your eyes to the potential um, of how, you know, certain aspects of AI are going to change our lives. Awesome. Well, Jillian, thank you. Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. For more information on Jillian or any of the topics covered in this episode, head on over to twimmelai.com slash talk slash 167. Don't forget to visit twimmelai.com slash nominate to cast your vote for us for this year's People's Choice Podcast Awards. As always, thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.